I've been uh, thinking this morning and thinking this week, uh, and I want to run a little uh, thought by you this morning and see what you think about it. The thought that I have that I want us to, uh, to think about, contemplate for a moment is this. You don't know what you don't know. Is that right? Yeah, so. uh, is that an accurate statement? Then let me ask you something. Why is it that if we don't know something, we will just continue on barreling forward the direction we're going when we don't know what that direction is? Well, that's part of the human condition, and we'll talk about that this morning. Let me let me share with you uh, today, and I. Today, go ahead and open your Bibles to the book of book of Proverbs, and we're going to talk this morning about that. You don't know what you don't know. I can recall a time when I was much younger when I had hit the youth group. Now, at our church, understand that my parents were raised us in church. They took us to church all of the time. And one of the things that I saw my dad and my mom both do as they took us to church was take a Bible with them. Now, I wasn't exactly sure as a kid why, because the, the church had some in the pew. They could have just borrowed those if that's what they wanted, but they always carried their Bible. So when I reached youth group and I realized that we were going to be doing more in our Sunday school time or our class time, our group time, that just, and I don't mean to make, make this sound demeaning, Renee, than just coloring pictures. Because I know that we do more than that. But I realized that it was going to go deeper. And so if I was going to be a good youth group member, I was going to need to take my Bible. So I brought my Bible out. And um, uh, the teacher there that day on a this particular day, was teaching out of 1 Corinthians. So he said to find in your Bible 1 Corinthians. Um, I wasn't exactly sure where that was. So it took me about five minutes to find 1 Corinthians, and then I would try to read along with him as he was reading from the text, and, and I, would, I realized that the words that I was reading were different than the words that he was reading. And so I did a little bit further investigation, found out I wasn't in 1 Corinthians, I was in 1 Chronicles. Now, uh, I, at that point in time in my life, I doubt that I even knew there was a 1 Chronicles. But uh, what I, and so then I had to spend the rest of the time trying to find 1 Chronicles. And I got home and I mentioned that to my parents, and they said, well, if you don't know, uh, where something is, why don't you look it up? I said, where? And they showed me the table of contents at the front. In fact, two or three weeks ago, we talked about reviewing, looking at the table of contents in your Bible uh, and seeing where, Pro where Proverbs is in relation to the other books of the Old Testament. And if I would have bothered to take the time to discover that there was a table of contents, that was something... I didn't know. If I would have taken time and looked it up, I could have found the book of 1 Corinthians in just a few seconds. 
when you don't know something that affects your life. And you can, you can be reading along with a guy that's reading the first Corinthians with your Bible open to first Chronicles all you want, but they're never going to mesh up. Sometimes it's easier for us, though, to just keep on reading along and keep on acting like we know where the place is that he's speaking about. Well, that's kind of what the book of Proverbs is telling us. That's one, of, that's one of the things, one of the purposes, I think, for the book is to tell us stuff we don't know so that our lives can be better, can be, uh, can be more uh, fulfilling, uh, and we can know who God is uh, in our lives even more. And so it's important to, to study through this book to show us how to walk the walk of our lives. Now, this is the uh, fourth study from this book of, of Proverbs that we've looked at so far. And there are some truths that we, that we got out of each one of the studies. Do you remember? Uh, the, our first week, we learned that our direction, the direction that we're going in life determines where we end up. Our direction determines our destination. It matters which road you're walking on, and it matters which direction that you are walking on that road. Then we also saw the, next, the second week that prudence requires a course correction from time to time when danger presents itself. Uh, the, the wise person sees danger and hides, but the simple keep on going and are destroyed. That's the, the, the lesson that we realize there are times we have to realize there's danger around us and we need to go a different direction. A different, so it's a course correction. The third one, the one that we talked about last week was that your heart, that is what you feel or what you want or what you think can lead you down the wrong path. The reason is because our heart is evil and desperately wicked. I know there are times when I do things Unintentionally, just they happen that seconds later or minutes later or certainly days later, I, um, I rue and I wonder why I did or why I said what I did. Because it comes from the heart. And my heart, not always, but my heart can lead me astray. And so I've got to be careful that, uh, uh, that of who I listen to including myself, when it comes to taking uh, direction. Now, today we're going to look at the, at the fourth lesson, life lesson to learn, from, uh, to learn from the book of Proverbs, and that is about getting help along the way. As I encounter things, as I come to forks in the road, and I'm uncertain what I should do, which direction, which road I should take, which decision I should make. How is it that when I don't know, when I don't know what I don't know, I can make, I feel that I am competent enough to make a decision without anyone's advice, without any guidance. And further, it's important who that advice comes from. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But for right now, I want you to open your Bible to Proverbs chapter 15. Verse 22, and, the, and Solomon, 
this one who is purported to be the wisest man who's ever lived. This is what he has to say about, uh, about coming to those forks in the road and seeking to make decisions. Proverbs 15 verse 22 says, without counsel, plans fail. Without advice, without advisors, without counselors, whatever we're planning to do is likely to fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. Now, I want you to know he doesn't say with advisors or with some sort of counsel, but with many. With many advisors, our plans can succeed. And so today, as we think about getting help along the way, I want to, uh, I want to first share with you why it is that it's so hard for us to ask for advice. And, and I want you, first of all, to ask yourself, is that hard for you to ask for advice? I know it is for me. I am stubborn enough that I, that I would uh, conclude that I will eventually find my way out of this. I'll eventually come to the right, it'll, it'll come to me, it'll, it will happen. You know, it'll just occur to me. And probably it's when I'm asleep and I have a dream and I wake up and say something like, there's my answer. How foolish of a way to live life. So let's talk about, uh, about why it is that we don't seek, don't look after advice. Well, I've got, uh, I've got three reasons here uh, in, in, this, in this message. I'm sure there are more, but I know that these are true. The first reason I think that we aren't all that eager and excited to seek out advice is because we really think we already know what we don't know. Whatever it is that we need to know, we feel that we already know it. It's just got to, it, there's just been so much time on the top of the, of the treasure chest that we just got to dig down to it and eventually we'll get it. We think that I go to church, I go to Sunday school, I, I teach, I'm a wise person, whatever it is, and there are times we realize that we come across things that we don't know, but we really somehow think that we do know them. I just don't know it yet, don't know it now. Uh, I remember, and you've heard me say this one time, that Daniel Boone once said that he was he had never been lost. He was confused for several days once, but he'd never been lost. He just had to find his way back. Men, we can be that way driving our car, can't we? We're going out to a certain restaurant or a certain event, and I don't know exactly where it is, but I know about where it is. I can find it. And we can drive around and drive around until finally our wife says something like, we've already been down this road at least twice because we think it'll occur to us. It will, it will, will eventually get there. Instead of, now, to, to protect us from shame and guilt and, 
look at foolish, God invented the GPS to help us get places. But there's not a GPS for every decision in life. So sometimes we think we already know what we don't already know. The second reason why we are uh, reluctant to ask for advice is because it just feels better to have people think you know where you're going than to let them know that you don't have a clue. Sometimes our conversations about the Bible, for instance, we may not know exactly what this is about, but we will act like it. We'll amen it or we'll nod in, a, in agreement, but we, because we want everyone else around us to think that we've got it together. But the simple fact is, you don't know what you don't know. And if you, if you live, if you ask someone for advice, they're going to know that you don't know what you don't know. Now, they've got the same condition, but they will not think as highly of you, you fear, if you, as if you pretended you did know the answer. That can be dangerous, though, couldn't it? Third, a third uh, reason why we don't seek advice is because it's really just too difficult to figure out how to get advice. It, I mean, who do I go to? Who do I, who do I ask? Uh, who would know any better than I am or anything like that? And it's just too difficult for us. It's too hard for us to think long enough to find someone out who would probably know the best to give me the best advice here. And it's not just a matter of who's going to be the smartest or who's going to be the wisest. Sometimes it's, it's a, a question of, if I ask this one, what will they think of me? And so it's a lot of work. It's hard to find. Uh, it's hard to, to, to get up off of our backside, our spiritual backside, and ask somebody for direction. Now, here's what those three things that I've told you about uh, boiling them down to one word mean. We don't ask advice because we think we already know what we, do, what we need to know in life. That's ignorance. There are things I will come across and things that you will come across that you just can't think. And so uh, it's, it, we're ignorant if we think that we can in some areas. To have the desire or the, the reluctance to seek advice because we don't want other people to, to realize we don't know where we're going. We don't have a clue. That's a matter of pride. Ignorance and pride can get you into trouble. But so can the third one, and that is laziness. It's hard to figure out who to go to to get advice. So I just assume not go to all that effort. I'll just take my lumps and we'll, we'll learn on the fly, OJT. The Bible calls this word, instead of laziness, it calls it slothfulness. It's kind of a descriptive word, isn't it? It's a word that we don't use much, but it's very descriptive. So sometimes we make plans without counsel, and according to Proverbs, oftentimes those plans fail because we didn't get advice 
on how to do them. Not necessarily a bad plan or a bad idea, but it's just done the wrong way. When you come across something where you feel you ought to go somewhere you've never been before, what's the best step to take? To just pack the car up and head out? Or to seek advice from somebody? But I want you to also know that it's not just somebody you need to seek advice from. It's somebody who knows how to get there. Is that, are you clear on that? I can't see everyone on the video, but just kind of do this if you understand what I'm getting at. The point that I, that I want to make is that, that somewhere, sometimes along the way, we, we don't ask for advice. And when we do ask advice, we ask the wrong people. And the wrong people will give you as bad of advice as you've already got within yourself. So, why is it that we don't seek out wise counselors? Now, I guess in order for us to do that, we have to conclude what a wise counselor is. Wisdom is a gift from God. It's the ability to know what to do in any situation. It's not just a matter of knowledge. Wisdom isn't something you can Google. And then once you've read what Google puts out there, usually something out of Wikipedia, that you're wise. You have knowledge, but knowing what to do with that knowledge is wisdom. My, this is just my definition. You won't find it on Google, I don't think. But I've always defined wisdom as seeing things from God's perspective. Knowing what to do based on what God would have us to do. So, seeking out wise counselors. Why is it that we are reluctant to seek out wise counselors? Let me give you, uh, let me give you a couple, three thoughts, and then I want to get into our text. First of all, it's easier for us to get advice from our friends. Now listen, your friends, my friends, may be very wise people, okay? But they may not be. I, I, don't, I forgot to look it up <clears throat> today, uh, but on my Facebook page, I've got 400 and some friends. Good friends, people that I've known for 50 years in some cases. In others, I look at the name and say, who is this now? Why did I friend them? you got to be careful on that list of friends in Facebook, which ones you get advice from. You follow that? And so it's, it, it's sometimes easier to go on Facebook and say, question. This is something I need to know. What do you guys think? And you will get back a thousand different answers. Everyone will tell you what they, or do it this way. Tell someone you've got a cold and they'll tell you how, what you should take and how you should treat it and what you should do. Do you starve a cold or do you feed a cold? Should you stay in bed or should you be active? And you get all sorts of advice, which medicines you should take, all of that. But it's easier to get that advice from our friends than it is to seek out wise counsel. 
Another reason is because it's just simply pure, simple, easier to follow the crowd, follow the herd, stay in line, just go where everybody else is going. I've driven through rush hour in cities like Atlanta and Dallas and Houston. And I don't know the highways, some of those interstates four, five, six lanes wide. I mean, go one direction. And they're, they're go, all going about 80 miles an hour. The difference between them and me is they know which exit to take and I don't. And so what I do is I just kind of get in line behind the guy in front of me and just try to keep up with them. I don't know where they're going, but it's sometimes easier to follow the herd than it is to find out which exit I need to take. Because usually once I discover which exit I need to take, I'm about three or four lanes to the left of where that thing exits to the right. Some, but that's the way we live our lives. It's a foolish way to live our lives, but sometimes it's easier to just go along to get along. It's easier to follow the crowd. A third, third reason why we don't seek wise advisors is because it's easier to copy what our parents did. I don't know how to raise kids. I, this is something that I found when, I, when we had our first baby and we took him home. We didn't have a clue. Okay, and we checked, we checked and the stuff that they sent home with us from the hospital, there was not a handbook. There was nothing in there, an offer, owner's manual, any of that stuff. You get that when you buy a car. But with a, with a baby, how do you handle certain situations when they come along? You know what we usually do? We do what our parents did. Sometimes that's good. I'm not saying that that's bad advice to follow. But sometimes it's not good advice. And so it's important that you're able to distinguish, but some, it's easier to just do what our parents did. And so we grew up in a home where maybe things weren't quite right and it was difficult for us. Then we have children and we raise them the only way we know how with what mom and dad did. And then we can't figure out why our kids are turning out like we were. And so sometimes it's just easier to just pattern ourselves after what we know. Although it doesn't always apply, there's not always a direct correlation. Solomon wrote in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5, Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. Sol uh, Solomon wrote that um, to tell us that wise people listen to counsel and they get wise. Discerning people listen to guidance and they go further along their path. So I, I want to uh, talk with you this morning. The, the, that's all introduction. Set this up, okay? But we're going to talk about the secret to getting good counsel. How do I get help when I need 
we need to be about three slides ahead. First of all, the secret to getting good counsel is that you need to know that you will always need good counsel. Okay, wisdom is not a place that you arrive at all the time. I, I mean, once you become wise, doesn't mean now I can sit back and take it easy. Everything's going to come to me. I'm going to know what to do. You're always going to encounter another fork in the road, and it may be a decision you haven't had to make before. It may be something that there's not been any experience in. Do you know that things happen in this world that you, that you don't know happen in this world? Do you understand that you don't know what you don't know? And so you are always going to need wise advisors, wise counsel, because we're going to continue to have plans, and if we, if we plan without advisors, it oftentimes fails. Remember, we just read that a few moments ago. But with, with an abundance of counselors, with counselors there, um, with many advisors, they succeed. And we want our plans to succeed. So if that's true, it's not just the plans we had back in high school. It's the plans that we have now and the plans that we will have down the road. No, you will always need to have good counsel. Second thing that you need to remember the secret to getting good counsel is that you need to ask for more than one person's advice. Get more than one person's advice. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14, we read there, where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Notice the word that, uh, that Solomon uses there, an abundance of counselors. Many, not just one, but many. Here's something that's going to sound really obvious to you. And most of the really important decisions in your life that seem really important to you, really are important to you. Isn't that so? The things that you think are important are important at least to you. And the, and the most important decisions seem to have a sense of urgency to them. They're so important they dominate our thinking. They're with us all the time, so we want to make those decisions as quickly as possible. But the advice that Solomon is giving is take long enough to seek many advisors. If you are on a diet and you go to the counter at the, at the grocery store and there you see all sorts of candy bars, you probably shouldn't ask the person standing next to you who's not on a diet. You think it'd be all right if I have one, one or two or ten of those candy bars? Sure. I don't care. I don't have to live with you. It might be good to ask somebody else. And maybe several somebody else's. That's simple. That's a, 
that's something that you and I probably don't face all that often. Some of the decisions that we face are really important ones, especially to us. And we shouldn't go off the advice of one person who tells us what we want to hear. But we should seek many counselors. That's what Solomon says. Ask for more than one person's advice. The next one, don't let pride keep you from admitting what you don't know. Don't let pride keep you from admitting what you don't know. Pride may be the number one enemy of staying on the path. Successful people are open to the fact that they don't know everything they need to know and they are quick to go to people when they do. I, these decisions that I make are important to me. We've already established that. I really don't know everything I need to know in order to make that decision. And so really wise people don't allow their pride to stand in the way of going out and getting advice what decision I should make. Pride uh, or, or that uh, the importance of advisors is there because we are a proud people. In uh, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10, and I'm, I've written this in the, uh, uh, from the Holman Christian Standards Bible, and it says, arrogance leads to nothing but strife. Pride, some of the versions say, lead to strife. But wisdom is gained by those who will take advice. You know what I've discovered oftentimes from people who give me wise advice? It wasn't the advice I wanted. It was different than what I wanted to do, what my plans were. And I especially got that from people who loved me the most. My parents, my children, my wife. You know, I... I, I I am, I'm looking for direction, and I'm wanting advice, but sometimes the, pride, the, sometimes the advice that I want is not the advice that I receive. And so I may say, well, I'm not going to listen to them. That's pride. And pride will lead you to turmoil. But taking advice will lead you uh, to wisdom. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15 says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. See what he's saying? The way of a fool is another way that we could say it would be the path of a fool seems right to him. The direction that I'm going seems right to him. When I encounter crises or, or danger, that seems okay. I, I can handle it rather than seek for guidance or for uh, to hide. And so um, he, he says that the way that a fool goes seems good, but he finds out later it's not. And uh, but the wise person, the wise person listens to the advice and heeds the advice. 
Maybe there is no better example of this, of what I'm saying here with regards to this, uh, that, of allowing pride to keep us from, from listening to advice, is a, uh, is a record of an account by a man named Rehoboam. It's found in First Chronicles, First, uh, Second Chronicles, um, and it's found in chapter 10. I want you to open your Bible there. This is kind of a lengthy passage, so I wouldn't put the words on the screen, but I also want you to see it and follow it in your Bible. Here's why. Solomon was Rehoboam's father. In chapter 9 of 2 Chronicles, Solomon dies. It tells us all about uh, his standard of living and about how much he owned and how expensive just feeding his employees were for one day. And remember, he was a king. He was a government worker handling millions and billions and trillions of dollars like they were nothing. And uh, all of that money came from somewhere. It didn't just poof, magically appear. It came on the backs of the people whom he was leading. Now this, I could be talking about this. I could go from Washington, D.C. and talk about this and it would be very relevant to today. Solomon lived extravagantly, lavishly. The Bible says he had 700 wives, many of them foreign wives. And each one of them had their own house. You see, they were queens. And they, each one of them, since they were foreign, some of them, they, uh, they had a, uh, they had at their homes altars and icons built of their gods from their land so they could worship in their way. Now, all of that was in a violation of what God's word was to Solomon. And remember, when Solomon became king, what he asked for was wisdom to know how to rule these people. And God gave him wisdom, but everything he did wasn't wise. That's how you end up with 700 wives and 300 concubines. And each one had these houses in it. And so <clears throat> it became, it, it got God very angry. And God said, this is found over in the story of 1 Kings, that God said to Abraham, or to, to Solomon, that because you've done this, <clears throat> I'm going to allow adversaries to your throne to rise up. And it lists a handful of those who, who became Forms in the side, if you will, of Solomon. One of them was a man with a similar name to Rehoboam, whose name was Jeroboam. More about him in a moment. I'm telling you that because it shows up in the, in the text. Um, Rehoboam, following the death of his father Solomon, is anointed to be the king. And you know what the first question he has? Whereas his father, when he became king, said, I want to have wisdom to rule these people. Solomon, uh, who had that request, was different from Rehoboam because Rehoboam said, my desire is to know how much more of a burden I can put on the tax-wise. 
I want to live better than my father Solomon did. Now that's my paraphrase of it. And that's really kind of told in the first four verses of, of uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10. But I want you to notice uh, that he says to them, what is it that you want me to do for you? And they say to him, your father made life rough on us because of the way that he lived, the extravagant lifestyles and all those things. And they, our, our backs are broken by the load. Lighten our load. And he said, all right, do this. Come back in three days and I'll give you an answer. Now, now you're up to date. Verse 5 starts off uh, the story that I want you to see. He, Rehoboam, said to them, come again in three days. The people went away. Then King Rehoboam <coughs> took counsel with the old men who had stood before Solomon, his father, when he was yet alive. And he's talking there about Solomon's advisors. <coughs> Every politician has advisors. Um, depending on how, much, how many they can afford, Solomon can afford a lot. And so Solomon had a lot of advisors that were there to tell him what he should do. They were still around. And Solomon, um, uh, when he dies, they're, sti they're still there. And so these are the ones that stood before Solomon, his father, while he was alive. And he said, verse 6, how do you advise me to answer these people? They said to him, if you'll be good to these people, please them, speak good words to them. They will be your servants forever. But he abandoned the counsel that the old men gave him. And he took counsel with the young men with whom he had grown up. And they, and they stood before him. Now get, get this picture. Picture. Solomon, or while Solomon was alive, Rehoboam was the heir apparent. But he was also at one time a young teenager, and he hung around with his buddies, and they played football together, and they did things that probably left Solomon scratching his head, and you know, uh, dangers that they might have taken. They probably would go to the malt shop. They still have those. <coughs> to soda shop and sit down and talk about how they were going to change the world someday. And when David, or when Solomon died and Rehoboam's on the throne, Rehoboam would, might have said something like, I'm going to do things differently than the way my dad did. I'm going to do this and this and that. And they probably had times where they talked about how they were going to change the world. And to them, in their theoretical world, all of this stuff would work out to their good and the good of everybody else in the universe. These are the people that he is coming before to seek counsel with, with him. These are those that had grown up with him, that stood before him. Verse 9 says, and he said to them, what do you advise that we answer to this people who have said to me, lighten the yoke that your fathers put on us? And what did the old men said? Lighten it up. If you'll do good to them, they'll, you'll have them as your servants for the rest of your life. They're going to say a different, give different advice. And here it is in verse 10. Your father made our yoke heavy, but you lightened it for us. 
Thus you shall say to them, My little finger's thicker than my father's thighs. I'm a bigger man than my dad was. And now, whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day, as the king said, Come again on the third day. And the king answered them harshly. Forsaking the counsel of the old men, King Rehoboam spoke to them according to the counsel of the young men, saying, My father will make your voice, your, your yoke, heavy. I will add to it. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. And then it goes on down a little bit later. We're not going to read further down, but it tells us that Jeroboam and others stood up and said, in essence, we're no longer going to follow you. God had told Jeroboam that he was going to give him 10 of the, of the nations of, of, uh, of the tribes of Judah. They will form a confederate uh, nation called Israel to the north. And Jeroboam became the king over that group. And Rehoboam had one, uh, one two tribes uh, uh, just... And he re, he was tribe the tribe of Judah and uh, the, the tribe of why am I drawing a blank Benjamin and they he was their king. Here's the bottom line of that: he lost eighty percent of the kingdom. He lost the following of all these people. That all they had to do, the advice of the older men was, be good to them. Treat them fairly. But if you don't do that, they're going to turn on you. And they did, and he lost them all. You see, the moral of this story is, you've got to be careful when you get advice that you don't let your pride get in the way. Don't let pride keep you from admitting, admitting what you don't know. Let me give you the fourth, the last thing. Take counsel from those who you have been, who have been where you want to go. I, I suppose that if you didn't hear me say anything else today, or if you're waiting for something that you need to listen to and, and, and heed today, if you want to get somewhere, go to somebody who's been there. I'm not talking about, I don't think, if you're going to go to Disney World to ask somebody who's been what rides I should ride. Because those little, those things don't necessarily affect greatly the outcome of life. But there are some things that you're, some forks in the road that are so significant and are important to you that it's important that you get counsel from people. Get counsel from somebody who's been there and knows who's been down the road a little bit. That, by the way, sometimes that's you that people need to come to. You, come, you have experiences in your life that equip you to be able to help others that are coming along behind you when they come to this same fork in the road and say, which way should I take? You can say, well, now here's what I did and here's how it turned out. So therefore, either take this road 
or here's what I did, here's how it turned out, didn't turn out well, take this road. Because these are people who've been through it, listen to them. That's why when, when teenagers grow up and become young adults, I don't know what age that is, but when they do that, all of a sudden their parents get really, really smart. All the way through their teenage years, their parents were dunces. Because they'd say, don't do this, it's good. you're going to end up bad. But when you get to where you're a young adult, you begin to say, you know, these people have been down the road. These people have experienced life. I should listen to them and take advice from them. Now remember, I, remember all these points that I said, don't just take advice from one person. Don't, and don't just take advice from many people until you find the one who tells you what you want to hear. But take advice from somebody who's been there. And if you find three or four or five people who've been there and they all tell you the same thing, maybe you ought to listen. You see, what Solomon is trying to do in the book of Proverbs is to give us direction for life to help us to understand how to make decisions on the road, on the path that we are on. Especially when we come to forks in the road, decisions, and there, there oftentimes are new, new forks and new decisions that have to be made every day. There are always going to be, so it's always going to be that we have need for advisors. He's saying, don't be afraid. Don't be prideful. Don't be lazy and fail to, to seek counsel. But rather, listen to who people have been there. A wise person does that and finds success. Pray with me if you will, please. Father, our, our lives are such that we really encounter things regularly that don't know. Don't know what to do. Don't know how to get to the next place. Don't know what decisions we need to make. And the simple truth is we don't know what we don't know. But Father, you are not infected with that. You have complete wisdom. You know every step that we take and every direction that is laid before us. You, we can choose our steps, but you establish our so, Lord, we, we oftentimes come to things that forks in the road, that we need counsel, we need advice. Your word tells us that we need to be wise enough to realize that the advice that we need is going to come from those who are sharing this life with us. Some who are further down the road, some who have more knowledge or more understanding about something than we do. So teach us, Father, how to be open to, to, to discover wise counselors all around us. And may we, as we find them, not do like Rehoboam, not to discard the advice of wise people, but, Father, to receive it so that we might be successful in our lives. So teach us, Father, how to apply that, those truths to our lives today. In the name of Jesus, we pray it.